0: Navigate the journey to becoming a great lawyer with expert guidance on topics that range from trial skills to corner office management. Here you will learn how to tap into your potential for legal greatness. I'm Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ. Today, we're going to talk about killer cross-examination. Cross-examination is often a highlight of any trial and the jurors get very excited to wait on the lawyer to get up and uh, hopefully see them you know, take down a witness on the stand. It's what's highlighted in a lot of law movies that we watch, where uh, the witness on the stand under a withering cross-examination gives up the crime or cries or admits to something or something you know comes out that hasn't been heard before. And... That rarely happens in real life in real trials, but you can make a lot of good points in front of a jury on cross-examination And any lawyer that is observed doing a skillful cross-examination at trial, you can be certain isn't just up there doing it on the fly. They've prepared for it very heavily, and it's only with a high level of preparation can you then appear to be doing things on the fly when, in fact, you're not doing it on the fly at all. You know exactly where you're going. You know exactly what trail you're walking this witness down to get the answers that you know you're going to get. That's the goal of a successful killer cross-examination. So we're going to talk about how to do that today and how anybody can have a killer cross-examination. So first, let's go over the topic points that I'm going to discuss, and then I will get into each topic point in specific detail. The first point is that you have to have a plan. You have to know why do you want to cross-examine this witness? What do you want to get from this witness? Because every witness is going to be different, they're going to have different parts uh, and different aspects of the case. So you have to have a strategy. You don't just get up there to ask questions. What is your plan? What do you want to get from this witness? That's point one. Point two, you have to digest transcripts. In civil cases, the majority of witnesses that you'll be cross-examining on trial have testified at a pretrial deposition before the trial, and you'll have a transcript of that deposition testimony. Digesting a transcript is when you go through the transcript and you identify the page and line of where that witness has said something specific that you wanna focus in on and highlight during your cross-examination. Point number three, research your witness. Go online, see what you can find about this witness. Maybe you'll find some things in the closet. You'll find that this witness may have a prior conviction or uh, testified in a previous case in a different manner. So it's always important. I'll tell you uh, how I got very fortunate during my uh, research of the witness before a cross examination in a trial. Number four, identify specific sections or points. You're going to want to have just a handful of sections or specific point headings Of the areas of your cross examination of this witness. Point five, prepare an outline. Just like in an opening, a summation, or a direct examination, you must have an outline for your cross examination. Point six, we're gonna talk about courtroom position where should you stand? How should you act in the courtroom during a cross examination? Point number seven is called controlling the witness. How do you keep that witness from going off on tangents? Uh, How do you get the answers you want out of that witness? How do you take control of the cross-examination? Point number eight is impeachment. Uh, When a witness gives an answer that is not in line with a prior answer given under oath at a prior testimony, you need to call them out on it in front of the jury. That's called impeachment. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Point number nine is how to end the cross-examination. All right. So let's get through it. First thing is, is have a plan. What do you want from this witness? There's different kinds of witnesses that you'll be cross-examining. You have lay witnesses and you have expert witnesses. An example of a lay witness is a mom who gets in a fender bender in a car accident because she's looking at her phone and she rear-ends somebody and causes an injury and she gets sued. If you're cross-examining that mom on the stand, she's a lay witness. She's probably never been in a courtroom before. She has no idea what kind of questions you're going to ask, how you're going to ask. That's a lay witness. An expert witness, on the other hand, is a professional. It could be a medical expert. We see that in personal injury practice a lot, where there are certain physicians that specialize in evaluating and examining injured plaintiffs on behalf of the defense, and then coming to trial and testifying uh, on behalf of the defense, basically trying to minimize the plaintiff's injuries or say why they're not related to this accident. Those are professional expert witnesses. They've probably been in court more times than you have. They're used to the banter. They're used to the questions. They are ready for giving. Uh, responses that lay witnesses wouldn't. So there's a different way to prepare for the expert witnesses. Some will be easy witnesses. Some will be tough witnesses. So your level of preparation is different. An easy witness, you can go a little softer on. They may not fight you hard. They may just easily give you what you want out of your questions. An expert witness, you have to be more prepared and have plans. If the expert answers this in a different way than you anticipate, what your next question going to be. You want to identify how this witness can help your case. There's certain things when you're cross-examining a witness that you want to bring out from them, even though they're not your witness, you haven't called them. In theory, they're a witness called by the defense because they're going to help the defense case, but they may have things that can help your case. So think about what information they may have that you want to bring out from them to help your case. For example, if you're cross-examining the doctor that examined your client and he's saying all these things that are not wrong with your client and your client's basically fine, perhaps in the report you found out something helpful that in a little side note, that expert said uh, loss of use of the you know left index finger and then sort of ignores that. But you know that's helpful. You want to bring that out. They're confirming an injury. So that's something that you want to bring out in cross-examination. Conversely, witnesses and cross-examination are often the kinds of witness that may hurt your case. And so you want to know how that witness can hurt your case. So you want to frame your questions in ways to diffuse that or to attack that to show that they can't really hurt it and take them down a couple pegs on something they may have said on direct. Or there may be things you want to stay away from, you know, that if you get into it, it's not going to go well for you. So you really have to get an idea of what you need. Lastly, most importantly for cross-examination is what do you need for your summation basket? What you'll learn in my podcast on summation is that uh, throughout the trial, what you want to think about when you're getting things into evidence, evidence is a testimony from a witness on the stand. It's putting a document or photograph into evidence or a video. Things that go into evidence are like picking apples in an orchard and putting them in your basket. Every time you get a piece of evidence, that's picking that apple and putting it into your basket. At the end of the case, you'll have this basket filled of evidence, filled with all these apples, and you're going to take these apples, you're going to bake them up, and you're going to make a beautiful apple pie, and you're going to serve it up to the jury in your summation. That's what a trial is. It's getting all these things for your summation basket to deliver it strongly, to make your case in summation at the end. So when you're preparing your cross-examination, you have to say, what do I need? What do I want to get from this witness? that I'm then going to use in my summation to help make my case, to go into my summation basket. So that's what you need to do. You need to have a plan and think of all these things. Next, we get to the digesting of transcripts. So what you do is you get a transcript. If you're fortunate to have one and. In- Criminal cases, you generally don't have transcripts of witnesses. You have to prepare your cross-examination uh, without the benefit of a prior testimony. In civil cases, you'll more likely than not have a transcript, at least of the main parties and the main witnesses, not always of experts. You can also do research to find other transcripts from other cases, certainly with experts where they've testified in other cases, you've got to get as many transcripts of these witnesses that you're going to cross examine as possible. Then you digest them. What that means is you get a legal pad uh, or if you're better on a computer, you can type it up. But in essence, you're going to have a column on one side of the paper that says page number, then next to that line number. So page 12, line one or line one through five. And then what is said in that transcript? If I'm cross-examining the train operator who ran over my client and I want to highlight the fact that he saw something when he was four car lanes away, several hundred feet away, and I've asked him at his deposition, how far away were you from uh, my client when you first saw something that you thought was garbage on the tracks? And he testifies, I was four car lanes away. I'll write the page, the number. And then I'll put in the section next to it, four car lanes away. So I know when I'm looking at my digest, where the page and line number is, where this was said. And I do that through the whole transcript. I sit there someplace nice and quiet on a couch or at a desk. And every place as I'm reading through the transcript where I see something that's given in an answer that I think I want to use and bring out at trial in my cross-examination of this witness, I'm going to put the page, the line number, and what was said. I will always keep that with me at trial, my whole digest. I will then use that digest for my outline. So when I'm doing the points in my outline and I want to make that point about distance away, I can write that little blurb and I can write the page and line number. So I have it there. So if the witness doesn't give me that answer in cross-examination, when I say, Mr. Train Operator, isn't it true that when you first saw something on the tracks, what you thought was garbage, you were four car lengths away. That's several hundred feet. Isn't that right, sir? And if the witness says, no, I think I was only one car length away, then I'm going to pin him down. I'm going to call his bluff. I'm going to impeach that witness. And we'll get to impeachment, but you impeach the witness by referring and reading out loud the prior testimony, and then I can go right to that page in line. It's being prepared. It's knowing what that answer is going to be when I cross-examine the witness and knowing if that witness doesn't give me that answer, I'm ready to impeach and nail him. And what the jury sees doesn't see this whole level of preparation. The jury's sitting back and saying, wow, Mr. Smiley just nailed that guy. He gave the wrong answer. Look at that. He had the page, the line number, nailed that witness. Not knowing that it was a big setup and preparation to get to that. Use different colors when you're digesting, something that's a real important thing. Maybe highlight in red, maybe write it in bold, but have the page, the line, and the statement from the transcript or transcripts ready to go for cross-examination. Research the witness. Go on Google. Look up prior jury verdict reporters. Go on Westlaw, Lexis. Type in that witness's name. See what cases he or she's been involved in. Look in any legal database you have, Any if your court system is online, look at the court system, see if you can find whether that, that witness has been in other lawsuits as a party, whether that witness has testified in other cases. I was at a trial once where I was the night before I was going to be cross-examining a, a toxicologist on levels of intoxication of my client. And so I started Googling the witness And sure enough, I found out that this toxicologist that was flying in from Florida to testify in a trial in New York, as an expert, I figured, wow, this must be a good witness if they're flying him in from Florida for this case. Turns out that the reason this witness was in Florida is that he lost his license to be a toxicologist in New York for a period of six years. And I found an agreement that was signed with the attorney general's office that said he wouldn't operate a toxicology lab in the state of New York for six years because of some uh, wrongdoing in the past. So that was quite something. And with what you can get online these days, I was able to print it out, the agreement. I had the signature of that witness signing to the agreement. So when it came time for cross-examination of this witness, I had that in my back pocket and I let that come out by the way, Dr. So-and-so, there's a reason that uh, you flew in from Florida and uh, aren't practicing in New York, isn't there? And he starts going, well, uh, you know, Florida, you know, I have a lab there and I like it there. And I go, well, it's kind of because you got kicked out of New York, isn't it? The lawyers jump up, objection, objection. The judge calls us up. I show the judge. The judge realizes that it's appropriate for cross-examination and I lay into this witness, by the time I'm done talking about the misdeeds previously, this jury doesn't wanna hear anything that this witness has to say on behalf of the defense. So research your witness, you might get some goodies. All right, next section, identify your points or your sections. I would suggest picking five to 10 specific points that you wanna have, that you can make in your summation, that you wanna put into your summation basket and put that into your outline. For example, a point may be distance away that the train operator was from the injured person or the person lying on the tracks before hitting. A point may be the fact that this conductor previously had been in accidents hitting people. Uh, A point may be that the operator of a train is actually trained to be on the lookout for drunk people or drugged people lying on the tracks, because it's New York City, and they're actually trained that people get drunk and fall in the tracks, and people do drugs and fall in the tracks, and they're trained to look out for that. So those are points you're going to want to have headings for and ask about. Uh, Points can include what we call collateral issues, prior testimony of an expert witness, Dr. So-and-so on behalf of the defense Isn't it true you've testified quite a lot for defense firms in personal injury cases? In fact, my research shows that you've testified more than 100 times, all for defense lawyers and never for a plaintiff's lawyer. That's a point in your heading, okay? That's something you want to talk about in your summation. Come on, look who they brought in as their expert. You think he was fair? You think he was calling it objectively? After you have your points and your sections, you prepare your outline Again, you can write it out, you can type it out. It's going to be there at your counsel table or perhaps the podium to the side. It has your headings, your points, and then under it, all the page line numbers of where you've got the testimony for impeachment, or if you find something online where you're going to bring those guns out for your cross-examination. You always want to have your last question set up in your outline because you always want to end on a strong note, and we'll talk about that. Courtroom position and cross-examination. Courtroom position is important. I talk about it a lot. In opening statements and summation, you want to be in the well, which is the area in front of the jury box. You want to walk slowly around the well. You want to make eye contact with the jurors. You really want to engage them so they listen to you. You don't want to be removed at a podium with your head down looking at notes. You'll lose the jury that way. You want to be engaged. In cross-examination, you also want to engage that witness and intimidate the witness a little bit. You don't want to be stuck to a podium. You want to move up. Sometimes you want to get a little closer. When you're making a strong point, you can take a couple steps closer to that witness. You don't have to stay too far back. You get a little bit closer. You can start creeping up on that witness when you're making your points. They start to get really uncomfortable. I'll never forget when I was cross-examining an oral surgeon in a dental malpractice case where he lacerated my client's uh lingual uh, nerve that controlled sensation and movement of his tongue and taste. And I started questioning that witness and cross-examining that witness and getting some really good answers. And as I started to move closer with my questions, I actually saw this doctor start to slink down in his chair and literally just started moving lower and lower. And his, his responses and answers started to get weaker and weaker. And that's a good feeling. And a jury sees that. A jury sees that. So... Move, move forward, move back. You can keep your outline on the podium next to you or on the counsel table next to you. I prefer not to get stuck behind a podium. I have seen some very skilled trial lawyers cross-examine, staying still at the podium, just asking some very good pointed questions that is a very difficult technique. It can be done. If you are more comfortable being behind the podium, that's fine. My preference is to get some movement. That way you can get some inflection in your questions. You can use your hand, you can move forward, move back. You don't want that witness to be comfortable during cross-examination. You can use inflections. You can turn and look at the jury, give them sort of a nod or ask a question while you're looking at the jury to highlight something. For example, in the witness that I was kicked out of New York during cross-examination, I might've turned to the jury and said, while looking at the jury, doctor, I'm curious, why, why aren't you in New York anymore practicing? Why'd you fly in from Florida? Come on, tell the jury. And then I look at them sort of like, wait, listen to this. Believe it or not, the movie My Cousin Vinny is actually a very good example of cross-examination. I love that movie. I hate watching law movies for most part because usually they're nothing like what happens in a real courtroom. The movie My Cousin Vinny, believe it or not, actually in the questioning and the leading of a witness that is done during cross-examination by Vinny is actually quite good. So take a look at that. Look at how questions are asked. Look at how you can really make your points, not only through your questions being tight in cross-examination, but also in your body movements and your inflections. Controlling the witness, the next point you have to control a witness. What that means is you're the one taking center stage and highlighting the questions and answers you want. It's not you asking a question like, well, doctor, didn't you think that my client suffered a bad injury? And ask an open question like that, that lets the doctor say, well, let me tell you why I thought this. And then they turn to the jury and they take control and give a 20-minute answer. You've lost control of the witness. So In direct examination, you ask opening questions. Who, what, why, what happened next? Tell us about that. Open-ended. In cross-examination, you ask what's called a leading question. Closed-ended. A leading question is what suggests the answer in it. You're actually not allowed to ask leading questions in direct examination. For example, isn't it true You were looking at your phone while driving your car. That is a leading question. That is a proper question on cross-examination, but not a proper question to ask of your own witness on direct. I can't say to my client, isn't it true? You were really paying good attention while driving your car. You were looking out for everybody. I can't ask that. I have to ask an open question. Where were you looking while driving the car? That's an open question. Open question for direct with your witnesses Leading questions to control a witness on cross. Isn't it true that you were kicked out of New York, Dr. Toxicologist? Isn't it true that you don't really know how intoxicated my client was? You can look at levels, but you pick any different person on this jury box and give them the same amount of alcohol, they're going to act differently. Isn't that true, doctor? Right? That's a leading question. And the witness can't go on and on and on. And if a witness tries to go on and on, you you politely say, doctor or Mr. or Mrs. Witness, that's not what I asked you. Please just answer my question. And there are advanced steps that uh, we can talk about in other episodes of techniques to control a witness, but that's the key of cross-examination. Leading questions, controlling witnesses. And if you have an outline and you have digested points in your outline, knowing the answers you're going to get, You're going to lead that witness. You're going to control the witness. You're going to get the answer you want. And if the witness doesn't give you the answer that you know they should be giving you, that proper distance they were away from the plaintiff when they first saw them was four car lengths. And if they're not going to give you that answer, you're going to impeach them. That's how you control them. You say, isn't it true? You were four car lengths away. That's 300 feet away from my client when you thought you saw something on the tracks. And if you did something then, if you saw something and you did something, you could stop the train within 300 feet, can't you? And if the witness says, uh, no, I can't stop the train, then you cite to his testimony about he knows he can stop the train in one, one, one car length. Or if he says, no, I wasn't four car lengths away, you can cite his testimony where he says he was, okay? And that's how you impeach the witness, so you would control them. So here's how you impeach. When a witness gives an answer that you know is different from what they've testified to previously, you have to ask specific questions to impeach. And I'm going to show you how you do this. First, you have to establish they testified previously and under oath. Mr. Conductor, isn't it true that you testified earlier in this case before trial at a pretrial deposition on July 21st of this year? Isn't that true, sir? Yes, I did. And isn't it true at that time that you took an oath to tell the truth, the same oath you took just today before getting on the stand? The Witness will say yes. And you answered those questions truthfully, didn't you? Yes. And at the end, you got a transcript of that deposition and you had the chance to review it and sign it at the end saying everything was accurate. And you did that, didn't you? Yes, I did. In fact, here's the page you signed, right? Yes. So you locked them in that they testified previously. They answered the questions. He's saying you had an attorney representing you, sitting right there with you, right? That's right. And you made any changes you wanted to, to the questions, right? In fact, I'm looking here, you didn't make any changes, did you? No, I didn't. And do you recall at that deposition being asked this question and giving this answer? You turn to the court, counsel, you say, your honor, counsel, I'm directing you to this witness's deposition testimony of July of 2019 and page 25, lines one through eight. And you make sure you have a copy of the transcript when you come to court of all these witnesses you're going to cross-examine, and have all their transcripts, copies to give to the judge. Your Honor, I have a copy for you if you'd like to follow along. Thank you, counsel. And you hold up the transcript and you read, question, Mr. Conductor, how far away were you when you first saw something move on the tracks? Answer, you turn to the jury, four car lengths away. You gave that answer, didn't you, on that day? And the witness has to say yes. If they don't, you say, your honor, I'd ask counsel to stipulate that that's a true and accurate reading of the witness's deposition transcript. Then the lawyer has to stipulate, yes, it is, or the judge will say, yes, it is. And then you say, so it was four car lengths. It's not one car length, like you just said now in front of a jury in a courtroom. But six months ago, you said it was four car lengths, right? Because that's what it is. And so that's how you impeach. You don't really say, were you lying then? Or are you lying now? But the jury starts to get the idea when you start impeaching. And every time a witness gives an answer, you say, come on, sir. You know, you're saying all these different things in front of the jury. But every time you say this, we're seeing you testify differently or when you weren't in front of a jury seven months ago. And that was a lot closer to the time of this accident than now, right? Your memory was certainly better seven months ago than seven months further away from the accident. So that's how you impeach a witness. That's why you have to have that page and line number ready. That's why you digest the transcript. That's why you have an outline. That's the skill. So you go through it, you control the witness, you hit your points, you impeach when necessary. And then right at the end, you always want to end on a question that you know is not objectionable, that's a good question, and that's going to get a good answer, okay? For example, my last question could be, Mr. Conductor, when you were four car lines away, you could have stopped that train, but you didn't, did you? What's he gonna say? He's gotta say no. Says, well, I tried, but you didn't, did you? No. Then you stop, and you say, Thank you, sir. Your honor, I have no further questions. Thank you. Turn to the jury, you give a nod, and you go and you sit down. So that's how you give a killer cross examination. Like anything else in a trial, you prepare, you prepare extensively. You get an outline, you have a plan, you have your points, you control the witness, impeach when the witness steps out of line, and you finish strong. So go get them. Give your killer cross-examination after your great opening statements and direct exams. It's just going to be one more thing that's going to be impressive to the jury. It's going to get you more apples for your summation basket that you can then go in the summation. And you could say... You saw when I cross-examined that witness, that witness, you know, the defense wants you to believe that witness couldn't give a straight answer. How many times did I have to impeach that witness with his prior testimony? How many times did I have to point out to you that he wasn't being straight with you members of the jury? That's what you do in your summation. That's how you use a good cross-examination to not only make points and persuade a jury at that moment of the trial, but then to bring it back home and tie it all in at the time of summation. So, Good luck with your cross-examinations. As always, if you want help with it, reach out to me. My contact information is in the podcast description. Give me a call. Shoot me an email. I hope you enjoyed this topic of killer cross-examination in this episode of The Mentor ESQ. I'd greatly appreciate it if you'd give us a good review and a rating, and if you would forward this episode to anyone you think might be interested in it, such as your classmates, colleagues, or friends. I look forward to our next episode together. My name is Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ.